0: Welcome to the Program Warning with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International and Equal Saving Nations. Today, we are going to listen to a recording made April 22, 2006, by Associate Pastor Ty Gulstrom. This was shared at a Sabbath service for the staff and families of World Ministries International. The title of Pastor Ty's message is, It is for the sake of freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, let us begin.
1: Hey, Amen. I just saw, I just watched a video called, I think it's called Paul and Peter. I don't remember who put it out, but they did a nice job, and it was good, it just inspired you. And one of the things that I that I, that I liked that they did about Paul is several times during the movie they had him, you know, in the midst of like a celebration service dancing around in a Jewish type dance. And that's a part of Paul we got to remember, that he was a man that grew up in the Jewish traditions and And they like to dance. They like to dance before the Lord. And so, praise God. It's okay to dance before the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I like the song we sang today that uh, I think Sebastian kind of helped lead us on. This is how we overcome. Amen? As you dance before the Lord, there is a victory. There's an overcoming that happens. And I believe that the enemy is pushed down in the midst of your praise coming up. And I tell you what, uh, whenever you're feeling down or downcast or not feeling well physically or emotionally, just start to go into a little praise. Just start to dance before the Lord. Start to worship Him. Start to lift your hands. And I'll tell you what, everything will switch right there. Amen? This is how we overcome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know, but these guys are, I'm not sure what the terms are, but they're gelling, they're grooving, they're flowing. (laughs) Sounding good. And thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. It's easy to take for granted good music, isn't it? When you have it every, every week, and uh, it's easy just to expect it. But all you have to do is take a mission trip to different places in the world and see that the instruments that we have and, and the vocalists, it's good. Amen. The other thing that I have also learned my first, well, especially that trip to Africa, my first one in 97, is I recognize how much fun you can have worshiping out of key. I mean, it's just, it's just extraordinary. Oh, yeah. There's no one singing in key. I'm like, I fit right in here. Because I never sing in key anyway, but I can sort of have a good time. And they're up there just clanging on their pianos and guitars and, and whatnot, and they're just singing. They're, they, they, they sound not that great, but it's just so fun to worship with them because they are just sold out. They, just, they don't care. You know what I'm saying? They don't care. It's like, you know, I don't know how to dance. Good. Start dancing before the Lord. Amen? That's the abandonment that Jesus likes. Sing when you can't sing very well. Dance when you can't dance very well. Speak to me when you can't speak very well. Jesus says, do it. Just do it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I enjoyed our Passover service last week. Hope you did as well. How, for how many here was it your first Passover service? First Passover service. One, two, just three. Just three. Isn't it good to see what God has done through the ages? I I just love to see how everything in the Old Testament has New Testament fulfillment and revelation. Amen? God has a plan. God has a purpose. And even the things that seem so trivial and seem so foolish to 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 the simple mind, God has a profound meaning in them. Amen? I mean, to put blood on top of a door and down the lintel, does that sound foolish to you? But you know what? Jesus had already set himself to come and to die since the foundations of the earth. And so in God's timing, it wasn't foolish at all because in God's timing, the Lord had already given his life. The Lord had already set to come and to die. Praise the Lord. And so when you look at your present circumstances, recognize that the Lord is looks at your circumstances outside of time. Isn't that encouraging? We always wonder, how long is this pain going to last? How long is this financial problem going to last? How long is this relationship problem going to last? And take courage that the Lord looks at your situation and he doesn't look at it from time. He looks at it from eternity. Amen? And every struggle that you have, every temptation that you have, every area in your life that you feel the heat of the devil on your, on your doorstep behind you. Recognize that it's just for a flash in time compared to eternity in Christ Jesus. Our present sufferings are just a moment. Amen? Hallelujah. Let the Lord give you just a glimpse of eternity. Say, Lord, I need to see, I need a glimpse, I need to somehow fathom my life in your eyes. Because we look at our life and we say, my life is about 70 or 80 years. We think that's so long. But when you look at that in the midst of eternity, it's such a, it's a, it's a snap of a finger, it's a flash. It's a blink of an eye. Praise God. You're not, I'm not going to always have this pain in my neck or my eyes. Amen? Yeah. And, and Lord, it's okay if you take it even before I die. It's okay. Take it. <laughs> that financial problem, the foot... And Ron Marlowe, it's not going to hurt forever. The tears that we shed yes. through our heartaches and our trials and our tribulations. And for those, when people around us die and go to be with the Lord, yes. those tears will not last forever, amen? Yes. The Lord is going to come and He's going to wipe away every tear. Praise, Praise the Lord. Yes. Let us always say, Lord, show me it from your perspective. Yes. Not from my perspective. Because yeah. my perspective is humanistic. Yeah. It's me at the center. Yeah. It's me at the center of my pain. Yeah. But put the Lord Jesus Christ at the center of your pain. Yeah. And receive the healing touch of the Lord. Every promise is not for the future. Promises are for now. Amen? He can turn your morning into dancing. Praise the Lord. One of the themes that I think we... Talk about quite a bit when we talk about the Passover is we talk about freedom, don't we? When we talk about the Egyptians coming after and releasing, finally releasing the Hebrews. There's freedom, and then they come and they 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 challenge them right at the, the edge of the sea. And I just watched the other day with my son, I watched the The Prince of Egypt. And I thought it was just awesome about the faithfulness of God. I know it was a cartoon. I know it had a little bit of Disney and stuff that I otherwise wouldn't want, but you know what? The central core that God took his people and sent a deliverer in Moses and set them free, that was intact. And I was impressed also that even in the midst of a a Disney-type movie, they still had them painting the blood over the doorpost and the lentils to remind us of our Passover lamb. And to see the, the faithfulness of God. If there's one theme in the Passover, it's got to be freedom. And to look at it through the New Testament eyes, to look at it through Jesus Christ, to look at it through your salvation, it's about freedom. The scripture that came to mind that we'll kind of launch off of today is Galatians chapter 5. and verse number 1. One of my favorite, most favorite scriptures says in verse number one, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Isn't that good? You can preach from that text, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. Couldn't you? Andy, could you? <laughs> Careful. <laughs> it is for freedom. Say Freedom. freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. What is he saying there? He's saying once you were what? Once you were a slave. Once you were in bondage. And it says for the sake of freedom Christ has set you free. Now as I started to think, think about it, there's, when I hear this verse, the first thing I do is I start singing because everyone knows the song, right? It was for freedom that Christ has set us free no longer to be subject to the yoke of slavery. Everyone know that song? So we're rejoicing in God's victory our hearts responding to His love. Jesus. We rejoice, you've set us free. Well, Karen Buckhart, you should know that song. That's an old Cedar Park song. Come on. That's a Cedar Park song. If I've ever heard a Cedar Park song, praise God. Hallelujah. So that's the first thing I did. And the second thing I did, I said, for the sake of freedom, Christ set me free. And I thought, started thinking about that. Why did he free me? What was the purpose? What was he doing? I was a slave. You were a slave. And for the sake of freedom, it says that Christ has set us free. Amen? Let's turn to our Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 16. This is a little bit of context about Galatians five one. It was for freedom. It was for the sake of freedom that Christ has set us free. And to give the context of what that means, in verse 16 of chapter 6 of Romans, it says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to somebody, someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Now think about that for a second. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience which leads to righteousness verse 17 but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness amen now is that true Is it true? Now, is it theoretically true? Or is it really true? Right? Because even the devil says that Jesus is Lord, right? So in theory to the devil, Jesus is Lord. But in the practicalities of life, Jesus is not his Lord. You see where I'm going here? So when I say that you are no longer, you have been set free, you are no longer slaves to sin, now you are slaves to righteousness. And you say, amen. Is that theoretically an amen or is that practically an amen? Is that true here or is that true here? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. And the reality of the, the answer is, the practicality of it is yes, No right? Because I remember when I first became a Christian, the one thing that I had a huge problem with, well, I had many problems. One of the problems that I had was a foul mouth. Anyone else here have a history of foul mouth? Foul mouth syndrome? Anyone else? Just me. Okay, so I'm just preaching to me just for a second. I had a foul mouth. Every other third word was a term that I otherwise wouldn't want to use. I could use them as adjectives, as, as nouns, uh pre-verbs. I could use them in, in conjunctions. I could use them in any part. I was very talented at using four-letter words in any part of speech, however I wanted to. I was good. And I tell you what, when you do that for a number of years, it becomes your lingo, your speech, and that is not easily broken. Amen. And when I gave my heart to the Lord, I gave my heart to the Lord. I remember the day. I remember the time. I remember the church. I remember everything about it. But I still had a foul, rotten mouth. Right now, at that point, when I accepted the Lord as my Savior, I was theoretically no longer a slave to sin, amen. I was a slave to righteousness. But in the practicality, the outward flow, the working of my life, was it true? Yes, no. And I remember the first thing I, I think I've told a testimony before how I had to work through that. I said, Lord. I say the word, and it's, I'm a two words pass before I remember that I just said that foul word. And there's nothing more embarrassing than to going to church, right? And you're talking with you know, people, and you say something, and all of a sudden their expression is totally changed, and you're like three words down the road. You're like, what? Oh, my God. And you just recognize that you just use that as a verb or an adverb or something. You know? And so it's like, Lord, these people are going to think I'm an outcast. These people don't even want me around them. I'm so foul. Everything that comes out of my mouth is foul. And I said, Lord, I can't even help it. I say it and I don't even remember it. And I said, Lord, I need you to give me a a split second to make a choice. And he did it. Amen? So the workings, the outflow of that bondage in my life, he had to work that reality out. Theoretically, absolutely true. It's just like if you take take an animal and you cage it up for a, a lot of years, You know, for the first 10 years of its life, you you put it in a cage, and then you just open the door. Theoretically, he's free, right? But in practicality, he's not free until he walks in that freedom. That's what we're talking about in Christ. Every promise is yea and amen with God. You are free. You are free to be a slave unto righteousness. You are free by the blood of the Lamb. But in the reality of the situation, we have to ask ourselves, am I free? Right, And in my life, what i found, it's always yes, no. There are things in my life that I have found freedom in Jesus Christ, and I walk in that freedom. And there's other parts of my life that I have not walked in the freedom that Jesus Christ has given to me. And I still walk in the bondage. I still walk under a yoke of slavery to myself, to the devil, whoever. I'm deceived, and I'm still bound up. And so in our Christian walk, the progression of it as we walk it out is the Lord is trying to shine upon our path areas where we are not walking in the fulfillment of His promises. You see, it's for the sake of freedom that Christ has set you free. We were and are, to some degree, in the reality of our lives, still under some burdens, still under some bondages, still under some besetting sins, Thought patterns that are not according to the word of God. Critical, arrogant, proud, boastful. These are things that the Lord is trying to work with us. In the grace of God, the wonder of God is that he's willing to mix a little grace and allow time in a relationship to develop to set you free. Isn't it good? Amen. Amen. He mixed the grace with his law. And he says, I'll work with you on it. It was for the sake of freedom the crisis that Christ has set us free. So as I was watching that that video with my son. It's so like kind of the first time I've really sat and watched it for, and from the beginning to the end and watched it. And I I was just kind of stirred. I think maybe I was stirred because of we just went through the whole Passover and so we we, we spent, you know, I spent about eight hours making that formalities and how we we're gonna go through it, and then we actually went through it. So I had all this time invested in to see it kinda of in in picture before me. It was just a stirring thing. And I was like, I was like Jeremiah, do you see what God did there? He says, they were, they were bound up at the end of the sea. They were, they were slaves. And God has set them free. And I was able to say, Jeremiah, you're a, you were a slave. But God has set you free. And, I, and the thing that came to my mind was, and I don't know if you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, but it's such a cool thing when they had that waters part. It's just awesome looking. And the way they did that was just awesome this water just just, and it's just, it's, I can't even describe it. If you haven't seen it, it's awesome. Just here is water, that stands up, and they're walking through it. And the thing about it that struck me is, when that water went up, and that passageway of freedom was opened up, they didn't have to think to themselves, I wonder if we should go that way. You know, they, they were not thinking, well, it could be risky, because if we go through that way, maybe the waters will close up on us. Well, you know what? That that footing might be really muddy. We get sunk in the mud and then the Egyptians will be able to come and get us. See, I don't think they had all this deliberation. Into the sea, big army, open waters, you walk through it, amen? It's not something you have to think about. But is it that way in our own Christian walk? You see, the path for freedom, in God's eyes, is just as clear as opening up the sea and saying, here you go. That's how clear it is in his eye. But sometimes it's not so clear in my eye. Think of an area that you struggle with in your life. Think of an area. Well, there's something with your attitude, something with your mouth, something with some besetting sin. Whatever it is, think of an area you struggle with in your life. In God's perspective, the path of freedom is as paramount and as awesome as separating the Red Sea and saying, there you go, there you go. And we sit around on the sea, quabbling, thinking, fretting, anxious, depressed, worried. And God's saying, don't you see? I just opened up the sea right there. And you can walk in it. Amen? Remember Galatians chapter 2? I remember I spoke on this about three years ago, four years ago, five years ago maybe. I'm going to read that scripture to you. 2.20, I believe it is. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. I like how the King James phrase it in verse 21. It says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Many times I frustrate the grace of God. Do you? Many times the Lord, I'm right at the, I'm at the sea. I'm, at, I'm still in bondage. I'm still trying to find a way out. I've really been struggling over this area. And God says, fine. Whew. Divides the sea, and he's like, He's not going anywhere. The sea, it's just a part of look, open your eyes and see that I have I have provided a path. But many times I frustrate the grace of God. Amen. We frustrate it. We don't allow that the reality to flow with a theory. The theory is you have been set free. Any sin, any bondage, any negative attitude, personality, anything that's going on in your life that is not the will of God, God has provided a way to be free. We never have an excuse. We never say, well, I'm just waiting for God to make a way. I love it when people say about, you know, people giving their life to Christ. In God's timing. You ever hear that? In God's timing, they'll be saved. What's God's timing? God desires that every man be saved. If if a man says no, it's not because of the timing of God. It's because that person is still in rebellion. Christ has already set them free. Christ has died for them. It's not about the timing of God. It's about the timing of man. When will you say, yes, Lord? And that's the reminder that the Lord gives us, not just in salvation, but in freedom. Think of your life. Think of those areas you struggle with. It's not about the timing of God. It's about the timing of me and of you. When will you say yes? When will you say yea and amen and I will walk in it? It was for the sake of freedom that Christ has set you free. Why freedom? Why does Christ want to give you freedom? We read about it in Romans chapter 6. Because if you have not been set free in Jesus Christ, then you are a slave to another. And Jesus Christ wants you for himself. That's why he granted you freedom for the sake of relationship with himself. Because Christ fully knew that if you were in bondage to sin, then you must obey another master. And Jesus Christ wants you to have relationship with him. It's for the sake of freedom that Christ has set you free. Remember the, whole, the, the story of Hosea? Who's, who's read Hosea recently? Raise your hand if in the last six months if you read Hosea. One person? Two? Three? Isn't that a phenomenal story? It starts out right at the beginning. I, mean, I like how, how it starts out. It's not like it has this nice lengthy introduction, sets the stage. No. It just starts by saying, Hosea, go take yourself an adulterous wife. That's how kind of how it starts out. You know, that really grabs you at the beginning, right? Go take yourself. In a, now, men, put yourself in this position. The word of the Lord comes. Andy, go take yourself an adulterous wife. Oh, thank you, Lord. I've been waiting for that. Hallelujah. I might take it out of context. I better read. (laughs) Andy wasn't in there. I'm almost positive Andy wasn't in there. I better turn to it. Hosea is right before Joel. I think he's the first of the minor prophets. Okay. Yes. Andy wasn't in there. Sorry. Andy wasn't in there. But you understand what I'm saying. I mean, can you imagine? Sometimes it's so easy for us to read something. But think about it. Put yourself in the midst of that. Ask a couple questions of the text. How would I feel if the word of the Lord came to me saying that? Hi, go take for yourself an adulterous wife. And he doesn't just say adulterous. I think he gives a few more adjectives, doesn't he? A harlot? Yes. Verse 2, let's read it. When the word of the Lord, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children an unfaithfulness because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery. I mean, I can't imagine the Lord commissioned me for that type of ministry. Who who wants that kind of ministry? When I'm thinking about my future ministry, that is not what I'm thinking about. That's the ministry that the Lord was calling Hosea to do. Why? Obviously, we understand why. He was trying to use an analogy. The thing that's so beautiful about it is, what happens? You know the story. He takes for himself who? Gomer. And they unite. And then what happens? She leaves. So he goes out and takes someone who is very unlovable, someone that's not my first pick, and he brings her in, and for a season she stays, and then she leaves. And then what happened? Goes back. Where are we at? Like chapter 2 or 3? Chapter 3? The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Now, the thing about that is, I think that probably there's been some time that's passed here. It's not like she left last week. I think there's probably some time. It could be months. It could be a couple of years. He says, it's your wife. Isn't that good? She left. She abandoned you. She's out there, committing all sorts of adultery. But he says to Hosea, your wife. Now think of the picture of that. When God looks at you, even when you turn away from him, even when you deny him, even when you do things that are vile, and you say, Lord, I, I'm stuck here. I, I'm having a hard time. I feel like I'm in bondage under the yoke of slavery. He still calls you his child. He still calls you by the covenant relationship that you have with him. Isn't that wonderful? You are still the bride of Jesus Christ. Even in your unfaithfulness, even those times when you really do struggle, the Lord looks at you and says, you're still my bride. Isn't that wonderful? And it says, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Now look at verse 2 here. This is Hosea saying, So I bought her for 15 shekels, of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley do you know how much that is i don't know either but it's not very much it's the price the, it was the going rate of a slave that was the going rate i think it's another translation even brings it out that was the going rate of a slave in that day she was a slave she was a slave in another relationship And the love of the Lord through Hosea says, go and go to your wife and love her again. Love her with the love, the same love that I have for the Israelites. Love her in that way. And so he went and he purchased her. He bought her. From what? From slavery. Why? For the sake of love. It is said it. Love her. The only way he can exhibit the love towards her was to buy her first. It was for the sake of freedom that Christ has set you free. He had to free her for love to happen. He has freed you for the sake of love, for the sake of intimacy, for the sake of knowing you and having a relationship with you. Amen? We don't have to frustrate the grace of God. Praise the Lord. We don't have to frustrate it. I think years ago when I preached the sermon on, on Galatians 2, I think the analogy I used was, you know, a backyard is filled with briar bushes. Just filled. You can't even open it. You just open the back door. The whole yard is a filled. Briar bushes from, from the back door all the way out. And the dad went out there and he cut a path. And he spent days just cutting a path to get through all that. And then the, finally gets the path cut. He's all, oh, there's the path. Just clears this path right down the middle of this church. Ha, ah, the path. Finally, I've, right through all those briar bushes. And the son comes flying out the back door, looks around, and jumps into the briar bushes. That's what we do as children sometimes. The Lord say, Wait a second. I just paved the path right here, son. Didn't you see the freedom walk right here? And instead, because of our own blindness and our deception and our confusions and our depressions, we don't see the clarity, which should be so clear to us, and we jump right back into the briar bush. Even though the briar bush hurts. Yeah? yeah? How do you feel after you sin? If an area of your life that you're constantly struggling in, how do you feel when you succumb to that? It hurts. You feel condemned. You feel. Pretty low. You feel like, where's the nearest bush? I got to hide from God. God surely doesn't want to talk to me right now. I'll let a day or two pass. Then, when all the guilt subsides, then I can come back into His presence. That's a, a lot of times how we do things. And the Lord says, I have provided a path of freedom for you. And with the, the thing is, we have an adversary the devil. What does he do? He is a deceiver of the brethren. He comes to lie to you, to deceive you, to let you not be able to see. God has not provided a path for you. This sin that you've always been caught up in, this, this struggle that you've had in your life, you cannot be set free from that. That's just who you are. He distorts the freedom that Christ has given to you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to have freedom and love with God. He does not want you to have that yoke of slavery lifted off of you. The practicalities of our lives are Jesus looks at your life and says, I want to set you free in reality in every area of your life. Maybe that area is gossip. Maybe that area is complaining, murmuring. Maybe that's an area of of material lust. Maybe it's sexual lust. Whether it's greed, whatever it might be. Jesus Christ has set you free. And now he wants you to see the salvation of the Lord. Amen? You see, the thing is, when you look at God's perspective, remember that he steered the Israelites. Remember the the story? He put them next to the Red Sea. And the Bible even clearly says that that was not the best way to go. That was the long route. There was a shorter route to get to Canaan. And it says explicitly in the text, if you read it, that God didn't bring him the easy way. He brought them along down south by Sinai and camped them before they got there next to a sea. Why? Because God knew that the Egyptians were coming. The Hebrews didn't. See, God knew in advance that they would be right there, caught between the biggest and most powerful army in the world and a huge sea. God knew it. And the question I ask you is, when the sea parted and the people walked through, was that at the point that they had freedom from God's perspective? Were they any less free when they sat there before the sea parted in God's perspective? See, in God's perspective, even when they, they can't, the huge army was coming at them and they look and there's this, this huge sea, in God's perspective, they were just as free as when the The waves started splitting and they walked through and it came back over the Egyptians. And that is encouraging. Recognize, even in the midst of your trial, whatever's happening in your life, whatever struggle that you have, that in God's perspective, you are free. And you are free indeed. And all we have to do is come under the alignment and say, Yes, Lord, I am free. See, you don't have to find your freedom as far as the freedom's coming to me at some point in the future. The freedom is there for you now. Come, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Don't wait. I think it was Augustine that said he had a horrible, time with, with lust. And he said, Lord, set me free from lust, but not right now. That cannot be our heart. Think about the area you might struggle with. You can't in your heart say, Lord, set me free. I mean, I know I ought not to do this. Not quite yet, Lord. I'm still enjoying it just a little bit. Yeah? The Lord will not deliver you from your best friend. Best friend. He won't set you free. He won't cast out your best friend. And so if gossip's your best friend... If that's your security, if you find security by gossiping or backbiting, if you find security in material possessions or sexual lust, whatever it might be, if you find security in that, then God has no power to set you free from it in reality. Theory, you're set free. But in the reality of it, you have to work by faith. Amen? Is faith passive? Is faith passive? Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 12 says this in him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence in him and through faith in him in him what does that mean in him in Jesus what does that mean in Jesus how are you in Jesus Right? It's, it's, it's a covenant. It's faithfulness. It's aligning yourself to the Word of God. In Him, in the character and in the nature of God. In Him. In Him, and through faith in Him, you may approach God with freedom and with confidence. Amen? You can approach God with freedom and confidence. See, when you're set free... You can act like a free man. The problem with me is I'm a free man, but I don't always act like a free man. It's just as frustrating to God, I think, as if you take an animal that's in a cage, you open up the door, and he will not come out. It's frustrating. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Amen? Amen? That's frustrating the grace of God. God is saying, you're free. Look, I've opened it. I made a way. Yes, you were in bondage. You had no way out, but I have made a way. I have broken the stronghold. And now you're free. Receive the revelation of that freedom today, friends. That's what we got to have in our lives. We have to receive the revelation that you are a free man and a free woman in Jesus Christ. If you don't have that revelation, you will not act according to who you are. See, the devil's just fine for you to theoretically be free as long as you're practically bound up. See, the devil knows clearly all the freedoms that you have in Christ Jesus. But if he can deceive you, if he can lie to you such that you don't see and respond to that freedom then how good is that freedom for you? If the dog is is pinned up in a cage, and a way is made, a way of escape, a way of freedom, but the dog never comes out, is he free? From the dog's own mindset, it's no, right? The dog still thinks he's bound up. Do you still think you're bound up? I do at times. I still at times get deceived by my sin, deceived by the enemy the Lord looks at me and says, you're free. Look at the waves pulled back. Look at that. I mean, can you think of anything more awesome than God splitting a sea and having a wall up on both sides? And yet there's something more awesome than that. Do you know what it is? It's the freedom through Jesus Christ. That is even more awesome. Jesus has made you a free man and a free woman. And Ephesians chapter 3 says, if you're free... Then you can approach him in freedom. See, that's the that's the working it out. That's the outward expression of inward reality. Inward reality says you're free. Outward expression is say you can approach God now in freedom. Approach him in freedom. You have been set free, so approach him for freedom. And then you can mix, he'll mix, and you'll have love with him. And that love, that intimacy will give you more boldness and more courage to come, to come, to come to him. Get that revelation today. I need that revelation in my life. And I know that every single person here in some areas of their life need the revelation that you're free in every area. In some areas, you're free. There's areas in your life that you have worked out with and God has has cleansed you and purified you and set you free and you can walk in that freedom. But there are other areas in your life that you still struggle with. There are other areas that you're still not walking in the freedom. You're not approaching God in freedom, in confidence, in those areas. And the encouragement I have is, for the sake of freedom, He has set you free. Receive the revelation. Whenever you receive a revelation from God, it breaks deception in your life. We have deception in our lives. Allow it to be broken today. How do you do it? All you get to say is, Lord, I have struggled in this area of my life. You just be honest with him, amen? He sees it clearly. Lord, I struggle with this area in my life. And you say it explicitly. Whatever it is, Lord, I have struggled. I have stayed in bondage. I know theoretically you have set me free. I know the scripture says that I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am a slave to righteousness. But I have kept myself in this cage. Lord, forgive me for acting as a bound man when you have proclaimed me to be free. I receive the revelation of my freedom in Christ Jesus. I renounce the wiles and devices of the enemy. I release that deception in my life. I release that confusion in my life. I release it, Lord. Set me free. I am totally independent upon your revelation to break this deception in my life. Because, Lord, I want to walk in freedom with you. That's what you do. And the Lord says... That's good. And he will start to work in your life in such a way to bring the reality of freedom in that area of your life. He'll do it. To say he won't do it is to say he's a liar. Because he has set you free. And those who are free are free indeed. Do you want to be free today? Not just salvation, but an intimacy for the sake of intimacy with Christ. You see, when you're in bondage to anything in your life, whether it be lust, whether it be backbiting, it doesn't matter what it is. If you are in bondage in that area of your life, you must serve something else in that area that cannot be Jesus Christ. And you see, Jesus is jealous for that. He wants all of you. He's not satisfied with fifty percent or seventy percent or even ninety-five percent. He wants all of you. And any time you yourselves are in any kind of bondage other than the bondage of love and righteousness, then you are in bondage to something else or someone else. And that is intimacy that is being stolen away from Jesus Christ, and he is jealous for that intimacy. And so today, make a declaration in your heart to say, Lord, in every area of my life, I desire intimacy and freedom. Set me free in reality, Lord. Forgive me of my rebellion. Forgive me those times where I have wallowed in my sin. Forgive me those times where I have held on to my best friend, sin, because it's been comforting for a short time. Forgive me for it. And renounce it. One of the things I liked very much about Pastor Joe, I still do like about Pastor Joe, is Feton out of Cedar Park, is that every time he did a baptism, one of the things that he required people to say is, I renounce the works of the devil in my life. And I like that. And I think that's something we need to remind ourselves and remind the devil. I renounce your confusion and your deception in my life. Renounce it you got authority to do it in Jesus' name. Always in Jesus' name, amen? Don't go hot-headed to the devil on your own. But in the name of Jesus, say, I stand for freedom and for righteousness. And you remind the devil that in Jesus' name, I have been set free. I am free indeed. And I'm going to walk the path. And I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God in this area of my life anymore. It was for the sake of freedom and of love that Christ has set me free. And I'm going to walk that path today. Make a declaration to yourself. Make a declaration to the enemy. And make a declaration to the Lord that you are going to walk the path of righteousness today. Amen? Would you stand with me? If you want to make that declaration to the Lord, this is the day to do it. Amen? Don't put it off till tomorrow. Amen? Do today what can be done today. Make that declaration to the Lord. Say, Lord, I make this covenant with you. And it, say the areas you struggle over. If you can't think of any areas, then confusion would be a good one. Amen? If you can't think of any areas, confusion and deception, just say those two things. We all have areas that we struggle over. Say them. Don't say sin. Say the sin. Say the area. Renounce it. Reject the the authority that you have given the devil in your life. See, if he is deceiving and confusing you, it's because you have given him permission to do it. Yeah? Yeah? Take accountability for that. He has no power other than the power that you allow him to have in your life. You must be the catalyst for that reaction. You must catalyze the power of Satan in your life. You have to start it. And so today you, you renounce it. You say, I'm going to be set free. Renounce those sins. Be reminded of freedom. Freedom. That you have in Christ Jesus. Remind yourself of what the Word of God says. It was for the sake of freedom and of love that He has set you free. That's what you're responding to today is freedom and love. That's what you're responding to today. Renounce the sin, renounce the deception and the manipulation of the enemy. And say, Lord, I choose to walk in freedom. the Lord will look at you and say, you're free indeed. And you'll be able to see as clearly as the Israelites saw the sea parting, a miraculous intervention. All of a sudden you'll see the salvation of the Lord in those areas of your life. And you'll walk in it. And you'll look back someday and you'll say, why did I wallow at the Red Sea so long? Why did I wallow? This path has been here forever. Receive that today in your life, amen? Spend some time, spend a couple minutes and say, Lord, here I am. I make myself available. You can't do a whole much more than that. But you can say, Lord, here I am. I renounce these sins, forgive me. And I receive your freedom. Amen. Father, as we close today, I pray that you would Do something marvelous in our hearts, in our minds. Father, I recognize that all of us in areas of our lives have deception. We have perversion, twisting of the reality of God. And in some areas of our lives, Lord, I recognize that we have given Satan a foothold. But I recognize by the word of God that as I confess my sins and renounce my sins, Those footholds and those hand-grasps of the enemy are instantly removed, and he falls off. And the power of the enemy has no more access to me. Lord, remind your people of your faithfulness and your love. Remind them that it was for their freedom that you came and you died on the cross. You have made a way. Let us respond today. Let us make a declaration. I will not frustrate any longer the grace of God in my life, but I will walk the path of freedom. That path isn't always easy. Sometimes it's very hard. It's very narrow. But by the grace of God, He will help you walk it. And it leads to intimacy and love, acceptance and freedom. Father, we make a declaration today to walk in freedom, to walk according to who we are, free men and free women in Christ Jesus. Let us act in accordance with who we are because you paid a great price for our freedom. Lord, bless your people today. Do a miraculous work in our hearts and our minds today. And I pray that everything that would try to usurp itself against the knowledge of God in our lives would be pushed down today as we do business with you. We commit it to you in Christ's name. Amen.